have a little presentation for us in just a few moments. So, but they're going to be joining us for worship this morning before they head to class today. So, it's good to have everybody today. Where's Chris at? Chris Moore. Chris Moore. Where is he? Chris Moore. Are you ready, sir? Chris. I'm going to have Chris. I'm going to have Chris lead off with some verses this morning. As, as we're heading into Christmas week this week, he has a couple short passages of scripture before we head into worship today. From Isaiah and also the book of Matthew. So he's got a couple for you. There you go. Then a, then a shoot, the Messiah, will spring from the stock of Jesus, David's father, and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. Amen. And the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the, the spirit of counsel and strength, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord, and he will not judge by what his eyes see, nor make decisions by what his ears hear. But with righteous and justice, he will judge the poor and decide the fairness for the downtrodden of the earth. And he will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and he will breathe of his lips. He shall slay the wicked, and righteousness will be the belt and his lions and faithfulness the belt around his waist. Amen. And this is 1823, right? Now the birth of Jesus was a one that followed when his mother Mary had been betrothed
God's with us. Amen. Amen. Everybody stand up on your feet this morning. Let's all stand up and just invite the Holy Spirit to be with us. Lord, we praise you today and we worship you. Come be with us, Lord, as we read from the prophets of old of your coming and seeing the manifestation of that in the book of Matthew, Lord. We praise you because you are who you are. God in flesh, come to us to save us. So this morning, we worship you. In Jesus' name, for your glory. Amen.
Kids Church has a presentation for you this morning. So, Kenzie, come on down and uh, bring the kids down, right? So, all the kids, come on down front here. Now, at our church, we love our kids. Amen. All right, so come on down. They've been practicing this for a little while. You can, you can turn the lights up, Justice, if you would. I'm going to line them up real quick. son and you are to give to him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins.
child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Everlasting Father, Mighty God, Prince of Peace. And this morning. Good job, kids. Good job, everybody. Thank you, Kenzie. I, th I think we're ready next year for a full-on kids play. What do you think? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> How many of you were like me? When I got... When I got to a certain place in grade school, I was just like the hand motions, I ain't doing it. How many of you were like me? I just refused, I just stood there. You know, I was that kid, you know, so don't be like me, anyways. Tithe and offering, we're gonna take off our tithe and offering, so if you have something to give, go ahead and prep that. Offering envelopes are in the chairs in front of you. If not, one of our ushers will help you out. Amen, I'm, I'm gonna pray over that and then if you do have something to give, you can bring it down this morning. Lord, we thank you that you have come, you have saved us, Lord, and you're, you're always providing for us, and the salvation of our lives continues in all things. And this morning, we give in response to the provision of who you are in, in all the areas of our life, Lord, and, and then in our increase of what you bring to us, Lord, as, as we live in this world, Lord, that you are doing your work, and I pray that we're in on what you are up to. So, so as, as you increase us, Lord, I pray that we do what you are seeking for us to do and that, that we are people who give. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Everybody says, amen. amen. Bring it on down if you have something today. So um, our service is going to be a little shorter today. And the reason is because right after church today, we have our Christmas party. Amen. So um, what we're going to do is right when church is over, we're heading over to the Miller's. And the ushers have little slips of paper with the address on it. So if you did not get one of those and you're planning on coming to the Christmas party, uh, wave your hand around real quick so one of the ushers can help you out. One, one in the back there, Linda needs one. Um, and, and pretty much, Miller's, they're providing us the food and all that stuff, and we're just going to have fun. So uh, that's what this is all about. So uh, if, if you weren't planning on coming and you forgot about it or something, I, I encourage you to uh, jump on over and, and spend some time with us. So it'll be a good time. Uh, other than that, don't forget that this coming Friday is our Christmas Eve service at 630. So by the way, uh, just so you're aware, we are having our normal Wednesday service. We're having Christmas Eve on Friday, and uh, the day after Christmas is next Sunday. We are having uh, our normal Sunday morning service. But come on out, 6.30. It's a great time to invite people out to uh, church, and uh, it's, it's probably not even going to be an hour long or so. So we come together to church family, and I know some of you have family activities and stuff. That, that's great, but we encourage you to come be with us, and there'll be some, some cookies, eggnog, and all that fun stuff. So that's this coming Friday at 6.30. And then right at the beginning of the new year, we're kicking off 21 days of prayer that starts January the 2nd and runs through January the 22nd. So uh, over the next week, uh, next couple services, I'll give you more details about that. So we want to kick off the new year with dedication of the coming year to our God. And so we're going to spend uh, 21 days of prayer during that time. Uh, we're going to fast, uh, ask, ask everybody to fast one day during that three weeks of the week, so uh, a, a time of fasting and, and so forth, of just getting after the heart of God. P prayer, listen, prayer is not, 
so much always you trying to get God to do stuff. You know that? Prayer is you getting in on what God's up to. You see what I mean? And you catching his heart. Prayer is forming. Prayer changes you. It's not just, hey, God, I, I got 10 things I need you to do for me, and here's my 10 things. That's fine. You take your request to him. But the bigger part of prayer is catching the heart of God and, and getting his presence. So 21 days of prayer. We'll talk more about that coming up. All right. So if you got your Bibles, get them out. Let me see. Who brings your Bible to church? Let me see. I just want to hold, hold them up. Wave them around. Let me see your Bibles. Good. I'm glad you bring them. How many of your Bibles on your phone? Let me see. Just wave your phone around. That's sort of, what do they call that, sacrilegious? I don't know. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. The Bible's on my phone. That's okay. Amen. Luke chapter 1. We are, we are talking about Advent. The coming of Jesus. God breaking into our world to be with us. Thank goodness he's a God who loves us. And thank goodness that his mercy and grace causes him to come in a way to save us. How does God save us? The baby is born. And it seems so, so counter to the way our world works. Something that seems so innocent yet is in the power of God. So a baby is born and, and the, the life of Jesus, his ministry and all the things that he taught, the miracles and, and the inauguration of the kingdom of God. It goes from a manger to a cross, then ends up in an empty tomb. Amen. And it's the story of God with us, God in flesh, God coming to save us. For God so loved this world. Now, how many know we were lost in sinful world? We were counted as the enemies of God, right? But God so loved the world that he sent his only son, Jesus, God in flesh, that if you would simply believe in him, how, how are you saved? Are, are you saved because you can pass a test on the doctrines of the Bible? Thank goodness. Amen. You don't, you're not saved because you can pass a test of the doctrine of the Bible. We learn what we believe, but you're not saved because of that. And you're not saved because you're perfect either. Thank goodness. We fail that test too. We're saved because we believe then he begins to do a work in us. We're, we're, we're counted as his righteousness. Amen. He covers our sinfulness. And then, then we grow in what we believe in the revelation of who he is. But thank goodness he has come to save us because he simply loves us. But Luke chapter 1, we're, we're going to kind of talk about this in three different parts as we come down through the verses here. I want to jump in on the testimony of Elizabeth and Mary. So maybe a little shout out to the ladies today. Amen. All the ladies in the house, let me see. Give, give me a wave around. Yeah, okay. So a little shout out to the ladies. By the way, the ladies, the ladies in the Gospels are very important to the Gospels. This is, this is not a man-driven Gospel. It's God in flesh, Jesus, but the ladies played a big part. And, 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 and after the Gospels, they sort of seem to disappear, but they don't. They're, they're very important to the early church. But you think we got the story of Elizabeth and Mary, which we'll talk about a little bit this morning. But who, who was the first testimony of the risen Jesus at the tomb? It was ladies. And they run back to the disciples there. I don't know about these girls. It sounds like they're telling some stories here. And then they had to run and check for themselves. The ladies are important. Luke chapter 1 and verse number 26. 
In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee to Nazareth to a virgin to betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And there, oh, I'm sorry, I jumped the page here. I went right to the birth of Jesus in my Bible. There we go, all right. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall give him the name Jesus. And he will be great and be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how can this be, or how, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child will be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, had conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who has been called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Everybody say that with me. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Can you sort of imagine this scene? I think sometimes, I think when we get into the Bible, we read the stories that are in the Bible, and sometimes in our mind they turn into just stories. You know what I'm talking about. Yes, there are stories given to us, but they are stories of real life. So you can imagine this scene. You have Mary, who probably most likely was a teenager, maybe a younger age teenager, and she's doing whatever she was doing that day, going about her business, and an angel shows up to her. Now, that by itself right there is enough. You know what I'm talking about? That's like, wow. That, this is an amazing thing happening. When she discerns that this is a messenger of God, this angel begins to tell her, now look, you are, you are highly favored. As a matter of fact, you're going to be found to be with child. Now, again, you can think about the wonder, maybe the trouble, the, the trying to figure this out is going on. She knows her life story, and she knows she has not been with a man. But yet this angel is telling her, you as this young teenage virgin are going to be with child because you have been found favored by God. As a matter of fact, this child will be something to be called great and wondrous, the son of the most high God. Now, Ladies, I won't tell, ask the guys to think about this, but ladies, you think about this. If you were in her spot, how would you respond to what is happening here? Now, now what, what we have um, is, is what has been given to us is written. We, maybe there's things that were said and happened sort of in between the lines here. But bottom line is this. Mary received this and said something that is so incredible. At the very end, we'll come back to this. In verse 38, it says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. My goodness. Now, see, this idea 
of the Holy Spirit overshadowing her and through this the conception of Jesus in her. Jesus, again, this is something we bring up just, just so everybody knows. Jesus is not some sort of demigod as you would find in Roman mythology. He was not created at conception. Jesus always was. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Jesus always was, but he took on human form at that moment, at conception. Pro-life, amen. And, and the overshadowing of Mary is very symbolic of, like, if you see the, in the Old Testament, the tent of meeting with the cloud would come and the presence of God would be in the tent of meeting. It's the same wording there. The same wording we find in the transfiguration when, when the cloud enveloped them. The same wording there. It's the power of God, the working of God. This is the work of God. God with purpose. God with understanding where we're at and doing what is absolutely necessary to come and do what? Save us. God in flesh. See, this leaves no doubt the divinity of Jesus. This leaves no doubt that he has come. And we see the wordings in here of jumping back here. Let's find it. Uh, that he is the son of the most high, verse 32. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. In other kingdom, there will be no end. This is the fulfillment of, of Israeli prophecy, of, of the Jewish prophets. This is what they were longing for. This is completing the story of Israel and the vocation of Israel, that, that it will come and be a blessing to the nations, as God said to Abram. Here it comes. And just like I said last week, away in a manger, Jesus cried, just like this. Amen. You're hearing the baby, baby crying and fussing. That's very symbolic of what this week is about. Is that right? God in flesh, fully man and fully God, come to save us. But yet, this teenage girl, you remember what you were like when you were a teenager? I do. I don't have much good things to say about it, to be honest with you. Um, I was your typical teenage boy. I was just... Yeah, you know what I'm saying? If the angel would have showed up to me with this great wondrous vision, I don't, I don't know what I would have did. Thank goodness Mary had the heart to receive what God is saying. See, that, that whole line there, let it be to me as according to your word. Can you imagine if we lived our life exactly that way? That every time a revelation from God comes, whether we learn something in the scriptures or, or, or the Holy Spirit comes and it's through conviction or whatever happening, our immediate response to all things is, well, let it be to me according to your word. Can you imagine? See, this is the key to living in the fullness of the life that God has for us. That whenever we find ourselves in a spot where we're hearing from God and we're learning and things are happening, that we say, let it be to me as your word is saying, life change. Revelation from God, allowing it to come and do what God would do in us and through us. By the way, this wasn't just about Mary. Do you know that when God does what he does, it's never just about you? There's always something more happening. 
and, and there's, there's been a lot of debate about this, but you realize that, that Mary then being pregnant, though she's betrothed to Joseph, yet not fully in the process of being married? Who knows what the backlash towards her would have been in her society as a, as a pregnant, not fully wed woman? It was not a, would not have been favorable. We don't, we don't think about those things. Even Joseph, knowing what's going on, had in his heart to, to quietly divorce. He was, a, he was a righteous man. But he still had in his mind to end the process that would have ended in the fullness of the marriage. He was going to end the process. Of course, then the angel shows up to him. Now, we don't know a lot about Joseph in the gospel, but we know that he was receptive to what God was doing. And when the angel spoke to him, he's like, okay. Some, something big is going on here, and I'm going to submit myself to the processes of God also. But let it be to me as the word has said. Let's keep going. Luke chapter 1, verse 39. In those days, Mary rose and went in haste into the hill country to the town called in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah, and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, who is Elizabeth pregnant with? John the Baptist. There's a relation, they're, they're actually related, okay? Now, I want you to jump back, and I want you to see something. Chapter 1, verse number 7. Let's go back in Luke. Let's jump back a little bit. And let's look at verse number 5. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And when they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord, but they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. So we have an older couple. And Elizabeth was barren, having no children. Now, it goes on in that narrative to say that, that the angel shows up to Zechariah and says, hey, your wife is going to be with child. And he's like, whoa, wait a minute. How can this be? But, but bringing up, but you prayed this. But now it's being fulfilled later in your life. And this whole time, your wife Elizabeth has been barren. There's something about God working in our barrenness. Because nothing is impossible with God. As a matter of fact, if you look at the stories of the Old Testament, God is consistently bringing forth his purposes through women who were counted as barren in the scriptures. So, for instance, Sarah birthing Isaac, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Sarah was counted as barren in the scriptures, not having or able to have children. Rebecca also was counted as barren in the scriptures, but yet she ended up birthing Esau and Jacob. And certainly Rachel was also counted to be barren in the scriptures, but yet she also was the mother of some of the 12 tribes of Israel. Hannah, the mother of the great prophet Samuel, was counted as barren in the scriptures. Uh, the mother of Samson, by the way, was counted as a woman who was barren, not able to have children. But isn't it just like God? 
to use what seems to be not possible to make his word come alive and, and his purposes come true? Isn't that just like God? That where it seems like there is no possibility, that's just where God has a tendency to show up. But that's how it is with us. Without him, we are truly barren. Not able to produce the things that we are, are purposed to produce. But then God shows up and what was not possible now becomes possible because nothing is impossible for God. Now, we've been, we've been talking about this whole prophetic imagination over the last two or three weeks. In other words, that if God has said it, if it is the purpose of the kingdom of God, therefore, no matter how impossible it seems, it's got to get into your mind that it absolutely is possible, and we've got to quit arguing against it. So Zechariah, when he, when he hears the message about Elizabeth being pregnant, he's like, I don't know about this, and he was struck with not being able to talk. You know the story? And it wasn't until John is born, and, and he... he uh, uh, goes along with Elizabeth and, and confirms that his name is John, that his, his tongue is loose. That instead of arguing against what seems to be impossible, that we come with an attitude, if this is what you are saying, let it be unto me. Notice Mary didn't argue with God about this. She, she didn't come up with all these excuses. Well, well, well look, Gabriel... Let me just give you my business here. If you hadn't noticed, I'm not fully married yet. That could cause some trouble. My, my betrothed husband may ditch me over this. You understand that? And then, no matter what, I may be shunned in my own society because I'm an unwed girl that's pregnant. I don't know about this. Why am I so highly favored? I don't get it. As a matter of fact, I can probably tell you all the ways I'm not. It, you know, it kind of reminds me of, of Moses when God's calling him to get the people out of Egypt and he starts giving all these excuses why he couldn't, remember? And finally, the scripture's saying the anger of the Lord burned against him. Could we learn to be submissive to the possibilities of God? That even where a young virgin or an older barren woman can both conceive and give birth to children, one was considered the greatest prophet, John the Baptist, preparing the way for the Lord, and certainly Jesus himself. That we believe in things in such a way that there is nothing that is impossible for God if he has said it. Can we live that way? Can we believe that way? What can God do? What can he do if we have that attitude? Again, when we see things in the word that, that we know are, are the characteristics of Christian life, but I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure if I can be that way. I'm not sure if I can change, but God has said it. Therefore, it's possible. Is it really possible that he is saving this creation, no matter how lost it is, no matter how broken down it is, do we believe he can save it? Do we believe that there is no person too far gone from the salvation of God? Do we believe that? 
Do we really believe that he's coming again? All these different things that take a prophetic imagination to grab a hold of and say, yes, this is possible. I'll tell you what, just in the Christmas story itself, and you find parts of it in the book of Matthew and certainly in the book of Luke where we are today, these stories are absolutely wrapped up in the miraculous. You've got angels proclaiming and visiting people. You've got ladies that can't have children having children. All these different things, so much wrapped up in the miraculous. The Christian life cannot be explained away by the natural things of the world. You can't do it. If you are going to be a Christian, you have to believe in the miraculous. But why stop with the Christmas story? Why stop there? Is the God that we serve today the same God that made all this happen? Is he the same God that we find all throughout the Old Testament scriptures? Yeah. Is he the same God that in the beginning God created and he spoke things into existence? Is this the same God? Then why would he stop today? Do you believe that he is coming again and the whole world, heavens and earth, the cosmos is going to be made new again? Well, certainly. Is that miraculous? Oh, my goodness. Why would we find all the miraculous in the scriptures, believe in a miraculous return, but now in our time just go, well, I'm not, I don't know about now. I don't know about this. That we would have faith even today to believe that God can do anything. He can heal your body. He can touch your mind. Amen. He can help you through your finances. He can save a marriage. He can bring a wayward kid back home. Amen. He, he can save a neighborhood. How big can you believe that what God said he can do, yet he will do? Can we be like Mary that says, well, whatever you say, whatever you say, be it unto me. Whatever you say. That is a fully submissive, impliable attitude to the things of God. Amen. I skipped a whole bunch of reading there, but let's jump down to verse 46. Over oh, verse 45. I'm sorry. Let's jump there. At the end of this, and blessed is she, talking about Mary, Elizabeth talking about Mary, who believed that there would be the fulfillment what was spoken to her from the Lord. And then right when Elizabeth says this, Mary breaks out into a song of praise. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm, and he has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. And he has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of a humble estate. He has filled the hungry with the good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. And he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. In verse 56, and Mary remained with her, Elizabeth, about six months 
and then return to her home. Here is a song that Mary breaks out with in the Holy Spirit. There's a whole lot of prophetic things going on here about Jesus and about the work of the kingdom. But there's a point here. The Bible at times uses this term, a new song. Have you ever seen that in the scriptures? A new song. Mary breaks out in a new song right here. And what we have to see is when we begin not only to live in the possibilities of God, but begin to understand the possibilities of God. I mean, when it starts just to grab a hold of you and you start, start to see things and start to understand things, one thing that's a natural response is that there is a joy that should come forth that symbolic of breaking out in a brand new song. The new song in the scriptures is about God doing what only God can do, the overflowing of expression of newness and certainly the awareness of freedom. That we would live with God in such a way, listen, that we would live with God in such a way and, and live in who he is in such a way that there is a new song that constantly is breaking forth from, from our soul. Because we're aware of the newness that is happening. We're aware of the freedom that comes because of what God is doing and who he is. In other words, the expression of joy is ever on our lips. Because God is who he is. Amen. See, again, it's something we've been talking about. We've been in the Psalms. We've been talking about the joy of the Psalms. Joy is a mark of the Christian life. Let me tell you something. If you really are understanding what God is up to and what he has done for you and what he can do, you can't help to have an expression of joy. New song. So, Psalm chapter 98. Let's, let's go there. Psalm 98. We're winding down here. Psalm chapter 98. It says this. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the, in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. And all the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth in a joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre. And the, and the lyre, the sound of the melody. And with trumpets, the sound of the horn. And make joyful before the noise before the king, the Lord. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let, let the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. And he will judge the world with righteousness and his people with equity. Amen. Can we live in a new song that marks the work of God in your life? Can we, live, can we live in a new song? Because what the new song says is that what we see is not the final state of what things will be. 
Therefore, we sing a new song. That, that new song is sort, of, is sort of like the alternative script to society, the way society works. It's, it's, it kind of subversive to a lost and dying world. It's a new song that breaks forth because this is what God is up to. And we believe it. Amen. See, when, when Jesus is, is born and the, the angels meet the shepherds, this, this whole cosmic display of angels rejoicing, they're breaking forth in a new song because of the wonders of God and salvation has come. Let me ask you a question. How many of you know that you were destined for an eternity without God in your sin? Let me see. Who knows that? Yeah. So how many of you know that you've been saved? Whoa, you got a new song. You, right, you, you could stop the story right there. And you have a new song. Joy of your heart because you have been saved from your sin. And have been counted worthy as a child of God. Adopted into who he is. You've been marked with his righteousness. And you've been sealed with the Holy Spirit for the life to come. Right there, that's enough for a new song. But how many of you have more testimony than that? Let me see. Oh, yeah, you have a new song right here. I would encourage you to start letting it out. Because what Advent is, Advent, because it starts long before Christmas Day, is actually uh, uh, taking us into the, the anticipation of waiting to the celebration of Christmas Day. That's the way the church calendar works. So this whole time, we're, we're, what, six days from Christmas Day. We're still in the waiting, right? It should cause us to hit Christmas Day with a celebration. Now, I understand you're going to do family stuff. I get it. We, we are, too. You're going to give gifts, receive some gifts, probably. We do that, too. We're going to eat some good food. I, I'm, I want ham. I want some shrimp. We're going to eat some food, right? Amen. And uh, we're going to do all that stuff. Amen. Enjoy your family. But let Christmas Day be a celebration where you break forth a new song. Because the salvation of our God has come and it drowns out all that other stuff anyhow. Right? Amen. Amen. For, for those of you that are struggling, maybe you've lost a loved one, maybe this time of year isn't the best for you, I would encourage you to kind of peek above those things and, and still see. But God has come to save us. I have a reason to rejoice today. Amen? So let's be a church that is marked by joy of the new song. Let's be a church that is marked by joy because we are living in an understanding of what God has done and the possibilities of what God can do because we just simply say, whatever it is that your word has said, let it be unto me. Amen? Amen. Let's stand up and let's, let's pray together. Now, now I'm, I'm closing up about 15 minutes early. And now I've done that, you have to come to the Christmas party, okay? Uh, I'm kidding. I'm joking. We won't take attendance, maybe. All right. I'm kidding. Let, let, let's just, just for a moment, let's just raise our hands up and, and praise our Savior.
for what he has done. If you got a testimony, thank him for your testimony. We thank you, Jesus, for all the things that you've done, for the wonderful work of your hands, for, the, for you are God who has come to mighty to save. You are the God who has come and you are taking the future of all things, the government upon your shoulders. You are manifesting it. You are a wonderful God. You are a mighty counselor. You are ever fast, everlasting Father. You are Prince of Peace. You are all these things. You are the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I thank you for saving me, Lord. I thank you for forgiving me of my sins. I thank you for your patience with me. I thank you for continually leading me somewhere, always putting life in front of me. I thank you for the many times you, you've helped us financially. I thank you for the many times that, that you've worked through crisis in our lives. I thank you for being what is stable. So we just worship you today and we praise you. And be no accident for joy to come out and break forth in a new song simply because of who you are and what you're up to. So we thank you today, Lord Jesus. And we do worship you. In Jesus' name, we all say amen. 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 Well, again, we hope to see you over at the Millers. If you didn't get an address, please get one from one of the ushers. If not, hope to see you Wednesday. Certainly hope to see you on Christmas Eve. Be blessed. We will see you soon.